Hey there, I'm Hayes McKay uh, from Covenant. We are excited to have you uh, to our um, to this time that we uh, just gather to talk and reflect on the message of the past week. So welcome to the Covenant podcast. It's a great time to be together. Glad that you're here. Uh, Sean Shirley, who is a part of our tech team, he is uh, he's kind of meeting with me as we talk about um, this past Sunday as we kicked off uh, a brand new sermon series. Hey, Sean. Hey, Hayes. So glad to have you over here in the studio today and uh, looking forward to everything that you have to say. Um, we are going to be taking a walk back and looking through and talking through the sermon from this past Sunday, which was entitled Naked and Ashamed. Be back in just a moment. So, Hayes, the title of this sermon series is Reverse the Curse. And with everything that we have going on in the world, all of the strife and hurt and tragedy that's going on today, it's not hard to imagine and to wonder if we are indeed under a curse. But so the question I have for you is, what is the problem? And first of all, that that's a that's a great question. Um and you're right. When um, when we look at the um, all of life, and we look at illness and tragedy, and war, and uh, all of the things that that mesh our lives together, and um, you can look sometimes and go, "Gosh, I think I'm under a curse. I just I just think I'm under a curse." And of course, uh, needless to say, we know that's not true from God's perspective. But but the problem. The curse, if you will, Sean, is really um, built around um, the the decision or the decisions that we are all given by God that allow us to live freely in a relationship with Him or to live selfishly in our own selves that usually leads to disaster and struggle. But um, in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the personal effects and decisions that we make uh, under the, kind of being under a curse is really another way of saying uh, we are fallen people and we live in a fallen world. And, um, and that's, um, that's kind of a thing that, that, you know, we have to remember is, is just how that can affect our lives as we walk, as we walk with God. And I was thinking about it, um, you know, in Genesis uh, chapter two, when we were looking at it Sunday, I was thinking about just just how um, you know when Adam was created and and God told him you can enjoy every tree in the garden you can enjoy every tree um, and then he added of course but there's one tree that would be mindful of uh, that that you cannot touch you know you I mean you not not touch but you you cannot eat from that from that tree and um, and so he. Um, you know, he understood the principle at that time, and of course, Eve has not been given to him yet, and so that will, uh, of course, enlarge the story. But, um, but anyway, he was given an opportunity to have a relationship with God, and um, the beautiful thing about God is that God will allow us to have a relationship with Him, knowing full well that we might choose not to live in that relationship, that we might choose 
um, not to be um, a follower, and yet he still extends that extravagant love to our lives. And so I found that to be um, just an incredible an incredible opportunity to, you know, to, to experience and to learn for all of us that uh, God desires that relationship. But <clears throat> so often, the real curse is when we choose ourselves over him. Uh, the, the, the real uh, uh, burden of life is when problems do come and when tragedy uh, occurs, how do we handle that? How do we live in that? And, um, and do, we, do we hold that against God or do we trust God even more in those circumstances? And so I find that to be one of the important things to do. And, and, um, but God knew that um, in the choice, he knew that we could either choose rejection uh, or, um, you know, uh, love and uh, intimacy with him. And, um, and that is another quality of God that we can misplace is to know that he's offering us love and uh, if if we'll just be faithful to him and to the invitation, but um, you know the the title Sunday was uh, naked and ashamed, but it seemed like at times Adam and Eve were naked and afraid, and um, at least that's what what I think. And um, uh, but it was it was uh, I think it was a great time for our church to think about those kinds of things that we uh, that we live by, and. Um, and so he said, you know, be, be careful, don't eat from this tree, be careful, don't, don't do it, don't do it. And, uh, and so, you know, Adam was fine with it. But then, you know, <clears throat> when you go over to chapter three, you discover <laughs> that um, uh, the serpent shows up very quickly and, uh, and he is already beginning the process of manipulation with Eve. And, um, and so Adam has not communicated with her like a typical man. Who doesn't communicate? He hasn't communicated uh, with his wife what God was expecting, and so she doesn't know everything. And so, um, uh, the serpent begins to talk. And um, the one thing I told the church Sunday, and I would tell uh, everybody else, when you got a talking snake around, he's always going to have an attitude. He's always going to have an attitude. And so, he gives Eve a little attitude, and he tells her, um, did, "Did God say?" And that was the, that was the question, and that might have ignited the problem as well. Did did God say uh, this, and uh, did God say that, and and uh, then Eve, of course, responded by saying, um, "Well, God said, you know, we could be of any tree in the garden." So she got something, but then she said, "But He also said, don't touch it." And once she began to manipulate God's words, uh, that's when. Um, the problems um, began to um, affect both of them, and uh, and it was very you know very um, disturbing and and very very hurtful to both of them because she chose she chose you know to eat of the fruit, and of course and then Adam went along with her is what the Bible says he was there with her, and um, and so they both participated in that and that that led to. Um, a lot of troubles and and a lot of difficulties and and um, but anyway, um, the one thing that I would want to tell everyone in these moments together is um, um, and and I and I said it Sunday, 
and that is um, that God is a God who gives restrictions. And, uh, but the restriction is to allow us to live freely, not to live in an empty way, but to live freely. But what happens is through Satan and the serpent, when he began to manipulate Eve, he began to add everything else on top of the restriction. And so what that means is a restriction was given by God. Don't eat of this particular tree. Don't eat the fruit. And then what happened is the servant began to say, but yeah, but did God say? And and immediately what he was trying to do was add what we call restrictives to it, like add on. And um, and once he could manipulate her, and once we get manipulated by uh, restrictives that come into our lives, uh, we, we fall prey to uh, sin and to emptiness and loneliness and despair. And um, so one of the things I would say is when God gives a restriction— uh, whatever it is, whatever it is for your life, and it's a it's a clear signal from God, then be careful not to add on restrictives, not let other people add on restrictives where you're now carrying a, a heavy burden that God did not want you to care, to carry. And I think that's a, that's an important principle um, for all of this. So um, uh, the one thing I would say too uh, is don't forget Satan, when he's manipulating us, he loves to leave out all the side effects. Like he doesn't love, he doesn't even want to deal with that. He just loves to talk about the restrictives that just build more and more stuff on you. He doesn't want to talk about the side effects of how things can affect your life and how shame will carry our lives and burden us and tell us that uh, we are our biggest mistakes when clearly God says we're not. And uh, and so clearly God says, I love you and I want you and I want to walk with you and be with you as my child. And I always find that to be very, very comforting. So I did a lot of talking. Sorry about that. No, I was, and I was just, uh, I was just going to add this, that, you know, listening to your sermon on Sunday and hearing you talk now, you know, you you go back to, the garden with Adam and Eve. And until the serpent enters, it's just Adam and Eve and God. And once the serpent enters and manipulation takes place, then Adam and Eve have taken their eyes and their focus off of God, and it ends up on themselves which is where we so often find ourselves is focusing on ourselves instead of on Christ. And that is when we tend to run into trouble. And so, you know, my question leading for or coming from that would be, you know, the title of the sermon, as you mentioned, was naked and ashamed. Yes. And so, you know, with, with that and with, with them, taking their eyes off of God, focusing on themselves, and then they do, in fact, become embarrassed, become ashamed, and they feel that shame. Do you think that as society at large, do you think that we're even feeling shame these days for things that are going on? And then a follow-up would be, for someone who may be listening here who is experiencing shame in their life right now, yeah. what, is, what is a good word 
for them? That's a great, that's a great, great question. And, um, you know, there are many times we, we, because it just feels like the social norms of today in the culture, anything goes, everything's fine. There's really uh, nobody, you know, you, we, we don't hear the word of either sin or, or um, uh, hurt or pain. And uh, many times we just try to hide those. And, um, and we hide them out of fear. We hide them out of anxiety. We, we, uh, we hide them out of um, uh, the, the sense of relationship with, uh, with God and with others, like you said. So do, do people actually acknowledge shame in our world today, you asked? And I would say, um, yes, some, many people do. But I would also say there are many people who don't. They don't, and, they, um, uh, and there could be a variety of reasons. There could be denial. Uh, there could be um, uh, just where they are in their loneliness or depression, and so they have it. But, but yes, do people carry shame, and do they do the, Do we believe it's still a principle, <clears throat> still in the world? Uh, yes, I do believe that people feel shame, but um, <clears throat> but I also think um, many times shame can be overlooked uh, for the quality of life that they're living. And um, and then the other part that you asked about, uh, uh, besides that, is what's a good word if you are carrying shame in your life, <clears throat> if you're willing to admit, like, you know, God comes to Adam and Eve, and he begins to ask them, where are you? <clears throat> where are you? And they were hiding in the garden because they were feeling shame. And they acknowledged um, their presence before God, and God said, you know, what in the world, you know, and who told you, and on and on from there. And basically what God was trying to let them know is, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to show you right now that you belong. And so, you know, he took, uh, he took skins from an animal that he sacrificed, shed blood uh, for their forgiveness and for their restoration with God. What an incredible symbol that takes us to the to the gift of Christ, so that they no longer have to live under a curse. So I would say yes. They um, the uh, the shame that was given uh, now and that we can hear today uh, is that uh, through through Christ, um, our sins really have been canceled, and our shame has been taken away, and um, we can live in the freedom of the goodness of God regardless of our mistakes, because they do not define us. Uh, God defines us. And so in the, in the shedding and in the giving of blood in the garden and then the giving of, of the blood of Jesus on the cross, uh, we, are, we are free from the burden of shame. And we now have hope and we, have, um, we can have peace and we can see life through a much better lens than we once did. That's such an encouraging word. And I, and I love the way that you said that, because what I just took from that was a good remedy for shame is hope. Yeah. The presence of hope in your life. Yeah. And uh, well, thank you so much. This was uh this was an encouraging word. It was uh it was enjoyable to go back and uh, and hear some parts that uh, that maybe you didn't have time to focus on Sunday. And I want to remind all of you out there to uh, check us out 
on uh, Facebook and check us out. On a, you can check our services out on Facebook and also our website, covenantdothan.org, and also on YouTube. And uh, if you if you feel like you need to go back and uh, and watch the sermon again, the sermon's there on YouTube. And also we've got the uh, the sermon in podcast form right here on the website. Thank you so much for being here.